0: By the presence of God's Holy Spirit as we are here in the sanctuary. Now, our students here at Summit are on break. They're at home, but we are here, and God is here, and God answers prayer. So, I want to really encourage you to get your friends, uh, so many that are with us uh, this evening and at other times that you might be listening to this prayer meeting after the fact... You have friends on Facebook, you have friends on social media, you've got family that you can contact. Let them know that we are gathering together. People from up to as many as 201 and 11 countries and dependencies throughout the world are gathering together to pray. This is a moment to pray. This is a time to pray. This is a, this is a a moment in history that I believe where God is going to do something supernatural in our generation. One perhaps one more time before he comes, as all the powers of darkness are now amassed against uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, God will still show himself to be God one more time, and will still have a people that are a visible demonstration of his life-giving power on the earth. So I want to encourage you, have your friends and have your family come in to pray with us. I'm going to speak this evening on preparing to face your giant, preparing to face your giant or your giants, whatever the situation is in your life, because this is the generation we are now living in. Now, I want to talk about some of those giants just from prayer requests that have come in uh, throughout the week before I open the Scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Some of these were read already tonight, which is quite interesting when we consider the, the hundreds of prayer requests that do come in every week that those of us who have been uh, leading this prayer meeting this evening, we are, we are looking and pulling out by the Spirit, really, the same prayer requests. I, I'll, you'll see in a minute. Englewood, New Jersey, Lord, pray, Lord, that I love you with all of my heart. I, I chose to look at porn instead of reading the Bible. I need to surrender and be humble. From Englewood, California, I'm, st- I'm straying away from God and watching watching pornography again. Please pray that I be delivered can overcome my flesh and look to God again. From California, I've left my first love. Now, this is Maria. Maria, this is the third time this evening that your prayer request has has come up without any of us conferring with one another. Now, in the mouths of two or three witnesses, let everything be established because God is telling you to, to put away that voice that's trying to tell you that it's no use. I've left my first love. I can't seem to pray or read the Bible like I should when I try heaviness, and it's no, it's no use hits me. I can't break through. You know, Maria, that's not true because you have an honest heart. You're not dealing in, in some kind of a spiritual unreality. You're just saying it like it is, and the Lord is not offended by that. Never has been, never will be. You watch what God is going to do for you, Maria. From Anchorage, Alaska, I'm from Sudan and seeking Jesus. Please pray for the love of Jesus and the desire to read the Bible and to be transformed from Islam. So this this person in Anchorage, Alaska, who's from Sudan, has got a, a lot of voices going on inside of there, a lot of giants inside that would be fighting against the truth that he or she is now beginning to read from the Bible about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. From Washington, prayer to quit smoking and vaping. I'm alone and need Jesus to see me and embrace me for a home and a hope. From New York, I'm suffering from severe depression and loneliness. I'm not happy with my lonely personal life and unhappy in my job, which is becoming stressful. Please pray. And from Bakersfield, California, please pray and fast for my 26-year-old daughter, Ashley, who throws violent and blackout tantrums. Whatever or whoever it is, oh, Lord, drive it out immediately. Brandy, we're going to stand with you and believe God for a great, great victory in your family. And lastly, from Somerset, Texas, Sarah says, no matter how much I try, I can't get clean from meth and pills. I have faith, but it seems like every time I try, the withdrawals just get more unbearable. So, we're going to talk about that this evening for a little while, and I'm going to ask you to give me your your best ear and your best heart, because the Lord is going to speak to you tonight, those that are struggling with these issues that we're talking about, and not only set you free but he's gonna do something through your life that's going to bring his own name to glory. You see, the purpose of your life is much more than the struggle you're facing right now. The struggle is just something in secret, but God's gonna give you power to deal with that in secret, and once he does, he's gonna bring you out into the public, and you're going to become a testimony of who God is. And you watch and see the purpose that God now has and will have for your life. So, Father, as we turn to your word this evening, in this season of prayer, in the season where as your people, we are all aware that we are facing giants in our society, in our homes, in our schools, wherever it is, God, in our minds, we are facing giants. God Almighty, it is time for you to work because they have made void your law. It is time for you to take your right hand out of your bosom one more time and show your power again to this generation. It is time for your mercy, O God. Even though we have failed, yet your mercy, O God, is everlasting. You tell us in your word that you've loved us with an everlasting love and that you've engraved us on the palm of your hands. O Lord Jesus Christ, let the power and tenderness of those hands be moved in our direction one more time, unlocking prison doors, healing wounded hearts, giving sight to blinded eyes, giving strength to those that are weak, and purpose to those who don't seem to know the way forward. Father, thank you, God, that you've given us these examples in Scripture to testify to us about who you are and about what you're willing to do through a surrendered heart. God, help me tonight and help those of us that are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Shoko, which belongs to Judah, and they encamped between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Now let, let me set the scene for you. The Philistines represent the powers of this world, the powers of darkness that are always, always have been after the testimony of God. Since the fall of humankind in the Garden of Eden, there has has been this this work of lawlessness and darkness. The Apostle Paul speaks about it in the New Testament. It's been at at work in the world, and it's always standing in opposition to Christ, to God, to his people, to, to the reality of God, to the ways of God, to the Word of God, everything concerning God. The devil has always amassed his forces against it and tried unsuccessfully, might I add, to swallow it throughout the course of biblical history. And so here we are one more time. This force of darkness is gathered one more time against the people of God. Now, you have to understand, under the leadership of a king called Saul, the people of God are now in a weakened condition, and the enemy feels, I've got the upper hand. Just like in our generation, there's no debating the fact the church is probably in a weakened condition. In our time, especially in America. And the enemy feels like he now one more time has the upper hand and rises up every morning to challenge the testimony of God among his people. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. That's nine foot, nine inches tall, in today's standards. So, your typical ceiling in, your, in a home would be almost nine foot tall. Add a, a foot on top of that, you get an idea of how tall this man was. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of, of mail, which is armor or, or uh, iron, may I put it that way. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. In, in our terms, it's 125 pounds. He had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. That means 15 pounds, just at the tip or the end of the spear. And he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, "'Why have you come up to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him,' then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So here it is. The world has put forth the best they have. They've come up against the testimony of God one more time, and And, like a bullfrog, all this world can do is kind of puff itself up and try to cause the people of God to think that somehow we are less than we are. Try to get us to agree, as we heard so many times this evening with the voices that, that try to say there's no use there's no hope don't fight don't stand up don't believe you're ever going to be free don't, don't ever think your life is going to amount to anything And so the world puts this this giant why, why does the world? go to this extreme of producing these these big displays of its power. Well James says it in the New Testament. The apostle James says the devils believe and tremble. The devils themselves that are behind these forces of darkness understand the power of God quite often more than the people of God do. Isn't that something? And they know the only way they can defeat the testimony of God is to convince the people of God that we are less than God says we are, that somehow the Christ that resides inside of us is powerless or insignificant or fed up with us, and, or we are so captivated that, that even if Christ is in us, that we're never going to amount to anything or ever accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. And so this, this giant rises up every day and says, you will serve us. You will serve us. You can't fight against us. Look how big we are. Look how heavy our spear is. Look how heavy our armor is. Look at the size of our forces. You can't fight against us, so just give up and serve us. Now, the army of Saul, the Scripture tells us, was afraid. you, You can just picture it. All these... All these soldiers, with all of their armor and all their training and their swords and their helmets and their shields and their spears or whatever they had, and all of the the battle strategy that they had maybe embraced over the years, suddenly are finding themselves in a a very, very fearful position. Now, the, the reason they were filled with fear is because they were under the ministry of a worldly man. Now, this man called Saul, in verse 24 of 1 Samuel 17, It says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? This man who has come up, surely he's come up to defy Israel. Now here it is. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. So, all the ministry of Saul could offer the people of God is wealth, power, and status. In other words, their value system was exactly the same as the Philistines, who were all about wealth, power, status, how big we are, how much power we have, how much resources we have behind us, and it's dangerous to be under the ministry of anybody that that's all they're offering the people of God is to inc- you're going to increase in riches, you're, going to be, you're not going to be the tail, you're going to be the head, and you're going to have power over other people. It's, it's a tragedy because when, when the season came where they had to rise up to fight, they found they had no courage. We're living in the same kind of a, a day that they were living in back then, where, where voices are now being raised every morning. The, the Scripture says, Goliath presented himself every morning for 40 days. And voices are being raised every day. And what are these voices saying? You will serve us. You can't fight against us. We now have the upper hand. We are bigger. We are more. We are mightier. Look at the size of, of, the, of the, the gathering we have with us. Look at, the, look at the heaviness of our, the weightiness of our weaponry. Look at the the defensive armor we have. You can't fight against us. We We are stronger than you are. And you see the army of God on the other side of the valley, and all they're being offered is wealth, power, and status. It's amazing. In other words, I'll increase you with great riches if you'll fight. You'll have the king's daughter, which means you have access to power. And your father's house will be exempt from taxes in Israel, which means you'll be given a special status among people. That is all the ministry of the flesh can offer the people of God. You see, the reason God's people couldn't fight is because they're fighting on the same ground as their enemies, and they're fighting largely for the same reasons. Isn't it amazing? When we forget who we are, when we forget our the reason we we live, the reason we have our purpose on this earth, what God had to do is he had to bring in a, a relatively inexperienced young man in fighting this kind of a battle on this scale. Now, he had had some victories himself in secret against a lion and a bear, the Scripture tells us. But suddenly, this young man comes in, and, and something rises in his heart. You see, he's not, been, he's not really been part of this whole Saul ministry at this time. He's not been under the influence of this this gospel, may I put it that way, that has, has really just focused on the things of this world and the things of this life, as if this is what God's purpose for his people is on the earth. And this young man, a teenager, comes in just to deliver food to his brothers who are in the army. His name is David. And he says, and he hears the voice of this Philistine. And he says, who, why is nobody fighting this man? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, who is this person who's not set apart for the purposes of God, who's outside the kingdom of God, who's defying the armies of God? Who is this person that is defying this, <clears throat> the armies of the living God? <clears throat> and All of the reasons now come why these these other soldiers have no courage, and they they accuse them of pride. They do all kinds of things. They accuse them of littleness. These are the voices we heard about this evening already. You're too small. You're too proud. You're out of your league. This battle is too big for you. You can't fight this. Go back to your few sheep in the wilderness. Stop boasting about yourself. You don't have the courage to fight this this situation. But David... Kept speaking these words. There's, There's something rising in the heart of men and women of God. Even if you're small, you're insignificant. Maybe you're not of any major ministry, and maybe you've got battles going on in your own life. But there's something rising in you that says it's not right that this is happening in our generation. It's not right that evil's getting the upper hand. It's not right that good is being called evil and evil is being called good, and immorality is on parade, and that our children are falling prey and victims to ungodliness and immorality, even in our schools. It's not right that these things should be happening. It's not right that our homes and families should be under siege, as if somehow uh, a husband, a wife, and children is somehow a deficient thing in society. It's not right, and I'm tired of these voices, and I'm tired of their taunts, and I'm tired of their threats, Yes, I might not be the biggest person in the kingdom of God, but by the living Christ within me, I will stand. By the living Christ within me, I will allow God to use my life to make a difference. I will allow my voice to count for things that are eternal, and the strength, whatever it is that I have, I will allow to be used for God's kingdom and for his glory because I'm not going to allow these armies to taunt the armies of the living God and the integrity of our God any longer. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to fight back, and David kept repeating these words until finally they came into the ears of King Saul, and David stood before Saul, and Saul said to David, you can't fight this giant. You're just a boy, and he's been been trained as a soldier from his youth, and look look at your size in comparison to his size and your skill level in comparison to his But David said to Saul, no, he said, you see, King, I I had some secret battles that I fought in the wilderness when nobody saw me but God. I was given the charge of some sheep, and one day a lion came in and tried to take one out of the flock, and the Spirit of God came upon me. And I rose up, and with the strength of God in me, I grabbed that lion by the mane, and I took its life. And the same thing happened with the bear." And he said to Saul, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So here's the difference. David comes into the camp, and instead of his own, he's concerned about the wealth of God's people. He's concerned about the people who are hiding in caves and rocks all around, fearful of the Philistines. He's concerned about them Rediscovering the incredible resources of God that are available to those who are engaged in his purposes on the earth. David, yes, is preaching wealth, but it's a different wealth. It's not for himself, it's for God's people. It's living for the benefit of others, it's allowing his life to be used for the sake of others coming out of this place of weakness and spiritual poverty and into the strength that God has and the honor that God will be given through his people. He's concerned about the status of God's army, God's army of people, God's, the voice of God, the army of God, the church of God in our generation has been rendered in a sense powerless against these voices that are becoming dominant in society of our time and in his time. And then lastly, David is concerned about the power Of God being made known, the glory of God, the reputation of God. And I don't know about you, but I share those concerns. I live to see you raised up in the power of God. I live to see the church of Jesus Christ becoming a force to be reckoned with in our society again, where the presence of God is in the house and no fanciness is needed anymore. The presence of God is enough People come in, they begin to pray, God begins to answer prayer, and lives are literally transformed in a moment of time. I'm concerned that we need to see the power of God again in our generation. I'm concerned about the reputation of God himself. I'm concerned about his reputation. I'm concerned about his name. I'm concerned about his glory. I'm concerned about his work on the earth. It concerns me when darkness begins to believe that that its voice is louder than the voice that created the universe. I'm concerned for the honor of God, and I don't know about you, but I'm offering my life as a living sacrifice for his purposes, which my Bible tells me are just my reasonable service. I want to do what David did. I want to go down into that valley with the weaponry that God gives to me. Now, Saul tried to put his armor on David. And Saul had an armor, and I suppose for a season it seemed to be doing the job. But another moment had arose where the armor of Saul was now deficient. It was not going to meet the need of the day. Saul's armor speaks of strategy, speaks of things that we've done maybe for the last two decades even in America that have caused it to look like the church is growing. And in some degree, maybe it, it even did. Saul's armor had victories. It had nicks in it, but there was something it. There was an evil that rose up, and Saul's armor was insufficient to meet the need. Saul tried to put it on David. It's like you and I saying, well, we got to come up with some fancier worship. or we got to come up with some, some other new uh, technique or strategy. No, we need the power of God again. In God's house, we need the presence of God again. We need prayer again in the house of God. We need miracles again in the house of God. We need testimonies of God's deliverance in the house of God. We need young men and women who are willing to go to the ends of the earth for the cause of Christ again in the house of God. We need people who are more concerned about others than they are about themselves, more concerned that others who live in poverty find the treasure of Christ than they finding their own treasure more concerned about the honor of God than their own honor. David was willing to be a fool for the sake of God's honor by going down with weaponry that looked like total foolishness. The things of the Spirit, the Bible says, are foolishness to the natural man, God led this young man away from Saul's armor, down into a brook, and in that brook there were five smooth stones that had been fashioned by the water of God over, over centuries, no doubt had been fashioned, the, the water running over, preparing them for this moment. The five stones always have spoken to me about the five-fold ministry of the church of Jesus Christ the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, those that are raised up for the edifying of the body to strengthen the church of Jesus Christ. We don't need any more than God has provided for his church to become the voice and the power and the effective testimony that we need to be again in our generation. And with nothing more than a heart that trusted in God, with five smooth stones in his pouch and a sling in his hand, this young shepherd boy went down into the valley. You see, it's in our weakness that God's strength is made perfect. It's in our nothing that his glory comes to the surface again. It's in our trust in him that the battle begins to be won, and the devils know this and tremble. That's why you and I have got to get out from under the voices. The voices like come to Maria that try to tell you it's no use. You see, all the devil has against you is an argument. And if he convinces you into buying into that argument, he can render you powerless. You'd be on your side of the valley with all your spiritual knowledge just trembling in fear under the dominion of his voice. David runs into the valley with the weaponry that God has provided to him. And I love, I love, I love the fact that as he goes down in faith to face this giant, the Spirit of God comes upon him. Hallelujah. This is how we're going to win in this generation. This is how we're going to see darkness have to give way to light, not by any works that we can come up with in our own strength, but by the Spirit of God moving through us one more time, by men and women, young and old, moving in unison with the Holy Spirit of Almighty God for the right reason. Remember, I said it, for the wealth of others, for the status of God's church, and for the power and glory of God to be made known in our generation again. And as David comes down into the valley, the Philistine mocks him as he's been mocking the people of God the whole time. What am I, a dog that you come to chase me with a stick? Come to me, says, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. You can't fight against me, in other words. And what an insult it is that you'd even think that in such weakness you could defeat me. But then the Spirit of God comes upon David, and David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. In other words, you come to me with all the weaponry that this world in its rebellion against God can produce. But I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the Lord God of the armies of heaven, in other words, the Lord God of all power, the Lord God of all dominion, the Lord God before whom every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, now he's speaking prophetically now. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you. And take your head from you, and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. In other words, he's saying, "I'm not just going to defeat you this day. Now it's the spirit of God now speaking through this young boy. I'm not just going to defeat you, I'm going to defeat the whole army of the Philistines, and you're going to become food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. For this simple reason that all this all the world will know. All the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. It's time again for this world to know that there is a God who sits upon the throne, all power, all dominion, all authority. Every name that has ever been named is going to bow before him and confess him as Lord. He was before all things, all things were created by him, and he will be here when everything of this world is dissolved and remade again by the hand of Almighty God. All the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. God does not fight this this battle the way you do, those of the world and every demonic power, but he will give you into our hands. And so the, the encouragement I want to give to you is if you will let the Holy Spirit come upon you, this day you can rise up and your giants will be given into your hand. Those voices that greet you every morning for 40 days, the pornography that says, the images we have planted in your mind, you will serve us for the rest of your days. The drugs, the meth, the vaping that says, we have you. You are addicted to us. You will never escape us. The depressive thoughts that come into your mind every morning and says to you, you will never escape the boundaries that we are placing around you. You will serve us. I'm telling you this night, if you will let the Spirit of God come upon you, they will serve you. That is a promise from the Word of God. That is the pattern of God's victory in His Word. These things, these things that once threatened to dominate your life and your mind will now become your testimony. It will now become a story of the power of God. Remember later, in later years when David was being pursued by Saul and 400 men who were distressed, in debt, and discontented came and hid with him in the cave, I can just hear them saying to David, tell us one more time, what does it feel like when the Spirit of God comes upon you? How did you kill the lion? Tell us again how you killed the bear. Tell us again the story of Goliath when, he went down, when you went down into the valley and faced him with just a pebble and a sling. Tell us again the story of what it feels like to have the Spirit of God come upon you. And I can see David telling them the story of these great victories, the ones that were seen and the ones that were not seen, the ones that were public and the others that were private. He'd be telling them the story of these great, great victories. Every one of them was a great victory. And then finishing by saying to them, this power can also be yours. The same victories. God's not a respecter of persons. And the victories that I have known, you can know them as well. It's time for the church to rise up again. It's time for you. I'm talking to you tonight. I'm talking to you who are suffering from addiction and depression. You are the army of God. I remind you that later on in life, as David shared the story of his victories, these same weakened men came out of that cave and began to fight lions themselves, and they fought giants themselves, and every one of them won their battle because they learned the simple truth. The battle is the Lord's. And it's not by might. It's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God will give you strength on your part. It's just a matter of rising up now in your living room and take on your lion. Rise up and take on your bear. That's your secret battle. Get the victory over your secret battle. Your, your lion is your drugs or your depression or your, your alcohol or your cigarettes or whatever it is in your life, your, de, your despair, your pornography. That's your lion. That's your bear. You rise up and you take that thing by the throat and say, by the Spirit of God in me, I serve you no longer. By the Spirit of God in me, you will not take any lambs out of my flock from this day forward. You can't have my children. You're not getting my marriage. You're not taking my life. You're not taking my family. You're not taking my brothers, my sister. Nobody goes with you. I take you by the throat in the name of God. You win that battle. And once you've won the battle with the lion and the bear, then suddenly you hear this voice coming on the other side. You will serve us. (laughs) Ho, ho, and something just rises up and says inside of you, "No, I won't serve you, and we're not going to serve you, and God's people are not going to serve you. Not a chance. We've never gone down in defeat ever throughout history when there's been somebody of the spirit leading the battle. After David took the head off of Goliath, you can see now these formerly fearful soldiers running down the, into the same valley suddenly empowered by the Spirit. They've seen the Spirit of God in operation. Suddenly they're empowered and they get into the battle. Suddenly people have been hiding in caves and holes come out and they join the battle as well. Even Saul, the carnal fleshly leader he was, joined in for a short season. Oh, you'd be amazed what God will do when you decide to face your giants. And so, Father, tonight... Tonight. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Tonight. Tonight. There is a cause. And I'm asking you, in Jesus' name, to stretch your hand out through the internet into living rooms, into hearts, into minds, to ears who can hear your word. And I'm asking you, Father, in Jesus' name, just like Ezekiel did in chapter 37, raise up these bones. Raise up this army. Raise up the people of God again in this generation, the weak, the afflicted, the addicted, the nobodies, the nothings that you have always taken throughout history to confound those things that arrogantly boast of their strength and their prowess apart from the Spirit of God. Oh, Jesus I just so look forward to seeing your church alive again. I, look, I so look forward to seeing victories again. I, I look forward to seeing the five-fold ministry raise up again. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Raise up people off their couches tonight and make them evangelists, pastors, teachers, missionaries, testimonies of your grace and your power. Father, I thank you. It's all my heart tonight. Let this be the night. Let it be your night. Just get something in your gut that says enough of this. Enough of this. Enough listening to these voices. I'm not going down in defeat. I'm going with God. And I'm going into the valley to face my giants. And if I perish, I perish. I would rather die facing them than live as a coward on the mountainside. You watch what God will do. I'm calling you. I'm calling you in the spirit. Do you understand? It's not a message. There's a point where it goes beyond a message and the spirit of God starts to speak clearly to your heart. I am calling you to stand. I'm calling you to take your place in Christ. Calling you to become a man and a woman of God. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing one song, then we're going to go to communion tonight. The communion will remind us that the price was paid for you and I to have access to the power of God through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of God, the life of God, and the power of God. The price was paid. You can know the victory I'm talking about tonight. It's not just something consigned to the pages of history in the Scripture. This can be your story. And by God's grace, it will be your story in Jesus' name. See you in just a moment. If you can get some juice and some bread or crackers and we'll have communion together. God bless you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, I'm going to redeem you, and I'm going to be God to you, and I'm going to be God in you, and I'm going to be God through you. You have access to forgiveness, you have access to life, and you have access to the power of God for the purposes of God. This do, he said, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be speaking to you over the course of the next season that we have this prayer meeting and I'm not going to be calling you a drug addict or depressed or down or discouraged any longer. I'm going to be referring to every one of you as a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God until you rise up and believe it yourself because that's who you are. That's who God says you are. That's what God calls you. And it's time that we begin to pray it's time we begin to believe the word of god and it's time that we begin to stand as the army of god and so father thank you again tonight god for all that you have been doing and will continue to do but lord we anticipate a great spiritual awakening in the days ahead beginning in your house and with your people and beginning with the least of us lord god that you would raise us up again, my God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Simple men and women who just know you. They know your power. They know your love. They know your life. They know your purpose. God, help us to be delivered from the professional ministry that has left the church so powerless. Help us to get back to basics. Help us to begin to walk with you again. My God, that we can take down the giants in this generation. We thank you for it, and we praise you for it, In Jesus' name. We're going to go rejoicing. We always do at the end of this prayer meeting every Tuesday night. Now, remember, I said, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone. We're going to, we're only 25 countries short or uh, little dependencies short of of a worldwide prayer meeting right now. Tell, Tell your friends. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to believe God. We'll see you again next week, same time, same place. God bless you.